This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we'd appreciate those of you that have tuned in to watch today. Almost every time we're on the air, we have those who will call and say, this is the first time that I have seen Getting to Know Your Bible. And many of those who watch for the first time call for the free Bible correspondence course. We hope that you'll do that today. We have those that watch the telecast every time we're on the air. And frequently I have people who tell me they watch it both times we're on the air on the days that we telecast. I hope that you will stay tuned today as we discuss the question, Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss that from an Old Testament text. Now today, we want to continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course. And some of you are not aware of what we offer. And this is a course that's designed to help you in your study of the Bible. We'll mail it to you free of charge. You study it, send it back to us for grading. When you have successfully completed the course, we'll send you a certificate indicating that you have done, uh, completed the course and you've done it successfully. We hope that you'll avail yourself of the opportunity, and I say again, it is free. In order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive it, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational, it's based on the Bible, it's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to be reading now from the book of Exodus, chapter 5, and I would like to read verses 1 and 2. And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And I want you to notice in verse 2 the question, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? In order to understand and fully appreciate this particular uh, statement, I want you to think about the background of that particular statement. In the third chapter of Exodus, God appeared to Moses in the bush that burned, and yet the bush was not consumed. And God called Moses to go back to the land of Egypt, to appear before Pharaoh, and to plead for Pharaoh to release the people. But at first Moses, of course, was hesitant, and finally he did agree to go along with his brother Aaron to be his spokesman, and he appears before Pharaoh. 
God had given Moses the sermon that he wanted to be preached. Let my people go. You see, they had been in bondage and slavery in Egypt for many, many years. And they had cried out to God for deliverance, and God heard their cries, and he wanted Moses to lead them out of the land and take them back to their homeland, to the promised land, to the land of Canaan. Then he, Moses appears before Pharaoh, and he says what God told him to say, let my people go. And Pharaoh then asked the question, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice, that I should let Israel go? Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? That question is still being asked today by people. It's being asked by the person who lives a worldly life. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? It's being asked by the person who rejects the Bible as being inspired of God. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? That question is being asked by the atheist who says there isn't a God. He's asking who is the Lord that I should obey his voice. That question is being asked by the pleasure-seeking person. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? That question is being asked by the ungodly person. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Well, I can tell you Pharaoh found out who he was. And he paid a terrific price for having the wrong attitude toward the Lord. You see, the Lord is not imaginary. The Lord is not the invention of a man. The Lord is not the figment of someone's imagination. He's real. But who is he? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? So let me say, first of all, he is the almighty. The almighty God. In Genesis 17 and 1, that's exactly what the Lord said to Abraham. He said, I am the almighty God. I wish there was a way that I could impress that on all of us. To realize how mighty and how great and how powerful God really is. I just don't have the ability to do that. I don't have the words to say it. You see, he is the one who created us in the, in the first place. Genesis 2, 7 says that he formed man out of the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils a breath of life and man became a living soul. He made the first man by miracle. And then all the people that were born thereafter, after he created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, were created by the law of God's law of procreation. But God is still the maker of us all. Let us kneel before the Lord 
our maker. So says Psalms 95 and verse 6. Listen to Solomon, Ecclesiastes 12 and 1. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. We start remembering God when we're young and we'll remember him all the days of our life. That's not to say that a person cannot begin to remember God and serve God in their older age. But I would encourage young people to remember God while they're young. He is our creator. He is the one who made us in the very beginning of time. He's the creator of life. You know, there's a big dispute among people about when life begins. Where does life come from? When, when, does, when is there life within a mother's womb? When does that life begin? And I think it's so foolish for us to even discuss questions like that. You see, we're trying to put ourselves in the place of God by trying to answer such a question and trying to explain away the beginning of life in a mother's womb. It begins when God wants it to begin. And it begins inside the mother as a human being. But God is the one who creates that life in the first place. The Bible says in Him we live and move and have our being. Without the Almighty God, we could not even exist for one second. He has power over life. And He has power over death. Why in the first chapter of Ephesians, in verse 19, Paul says, According to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ, that which He manifested in Christ, which He showed in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. And so God raised his son from the dead. He has power over life, power over death. And he has power that he put in the book that I hold in my hand. He put power in the gospel. In Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we put power in the gospel of Christ. And also he, he is the Almighty inasmuch as He has given us all things that pertain to life. Things that pertain to godliness. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 affirms. Who is the Lord? He's the Almighty. When I get to thinking about how great God really is, I feel so small, so insignificant compared to the almighty God. Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice? He is the one to be obeyed. He's always promised blessings to those that would obey Him. For example... In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 26 to 28, the Lord so, so told His people, I have set before you this day both a blessing and a curse. And He said, it will be a blessing to you 
if you obey the word that I have commanded you. So it'll be a blessing. And the blessing is attached to their obedience. It will be a blessing if you obey. But it will be a curse if you fail to keep the words that I have commanded you this day. That is, you will be cursed if you disobey my word. God's always promised blessings to those that obey him. And he's always promised hard times to those that don't. Think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And the Lord told them that there's only one thing we're not allowed to do. They were not to eat of the fruit of the tree that was in the midst of the garden. And God said, the day that you eat of it, you'll surely die. But they were deceived by the devil. They ate of that fruit. And as a result of their disobeying God, Sin and death entered into the world. They found out the hard way. God meant what he said. And God is to be obeyed. Fact is, you have to obey God to go to heaven, don't you? Wouldn't you agree with that? That you must obey God to go to heaven? Well, what else could Revelation 22 and verse 14 mean if it doesn't mean that? Blessed are they that keep his commandments that they may have a right to the tree of life and enter in through the gates into the city. So those who obey God are those who have a right to go to heaven. That's exactly what our Lord affirms in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, Jesus, who will enter the kingdom of heaven? Those who do the will of my Father, which is in heaven. You see, we must obey him. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? He is the one who expects to be obeyed. And when I really love God, I will obey him. That's the first John 5 and 3 says, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. When I really love God, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. Not, not as some kind of a burden that I'm bearing, but because I want to do it. I want to please Him. I want to do it because I love Him. And so the Lord is to be obeyed. And His gospel is to be obeyed. Peter asked the question in 1 Peter 4.17, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel? What do you suppose the end will be? Let me read to you from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 7. And to you who are troubled with us, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished. Who will be punished? Those who obey not the gospel. With what will they be punished? Who shall be punished with everlasting punishment from the presence of the Lord and, the, and from the presence of His power. Power of His presence. And so we are, we are to obey the gospel. 
The gospel is to be heard, is to be believed, it is to be obeyed. The gospel is God's power to save the world. And I'm to obey the gospel. And so who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? And I ought to obey God before I obey anyone else. Acts 5.29 says we ought to obey God more than men. And that's true, isn't it? Who is the Lord? He's the great giver. He is the great giver. He is the original giver. He gives us the sunshine. He gives us the rain. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45, Jesus said that he makes the the rain to fall, the sun to shine on the just and the unjust, the rain to fall on the evil and on the good. He is the great giver. So we have the sunshine, we have the rain that comes from God himself. Fact is, there isn't anything we have he has not given us. In James, the first chapter, verse 17, James wrote, Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And so God gives us good gifts. God gives us perfect gifts. Everything we have is from God. When the greatest gift of all was the gift of His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God is the original giver. And Paul in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 15, with a heart full of joy said, Thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. There are some gifts that we might receive we can talk about. We might try to explain them to other people. But there's something about the gift that God gave of Him, the gift of His Son, that's difficult to describe. It's an indescribable gift, unspeakable gift. Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice? He is the great giver. He's the one who's given to us all spiritual blessings in Jesus. And look, at, look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. All spiritual blessings are to be found in Jesus Christ. Whatever those blessings are, I want them, don't you? I can tell you what one of those blessings is. It's the gift of salvation, the blessing of salvation. Listen to Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And verse number 10, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. Where is salvation found? It's in Christ. Who is the giver of, of that gift, those spirit, that blessing? 
It's from God Himself. God is the great giver. Now, if I want to take advantage of that blessing of salvation that's in Christ, then I must do what it takes to be there. I must do what it takes to be in Christ as opposed to being out of Him. Galatians 3.27 explains it so clearly. Know you not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Christ, did put on Christ. Who put on Christ? People were baptized into Christ. But Paul said salvation is in Christ. And if salvation is in Christ, as opposed to being out of Christ, how do I get into Christ? That's where salvation is. Salvation comes when we as believers in Jesus are baptized into Christ. Verse 27. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Someone says, but it doesn't talk about that in verse 27. It doesn't say anything about believing. But let me go back to verse 26. We are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ did put on Christ. Don't you see that's exactly what Jesus taught? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. There are two conditions of salvation in that passage. That's faith in Christ and that's baptism into Christ. Those are the conditions. Those are the Lord's conditions. There's only one condition that would result in one's damnation. That's to be an unbeliever. It would have been redundant for Jesus to have said, He that believeth not and is not baptized shall be damned. For in fact, you see, a person will be damned or condemned at the very point of their unbelief. That's what the Lord taught in John the third chapter, verse 18. He that believeth not is condemned already. You're condemned because of unbelief. It would not have been necessary for the Lord to have said anything else. That's the reason that we need to believe on Him, repent of our sins, we ought to be willing to tell people we believe in Christ. And then as penitent, confessing believers, we should be immersed into Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. That's how we contact by faith the blood of Jesus. Romans 6, 3 and 4. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ were baptized into His death. Baptized into the benefits of that death. It was in His death that He shed His blood. And so we want that blessing that's given to us by God Almighty. Who is the Lord? He is the great giver. He gives to us salvation in Jesus Christ. He gives to us all spiritual blessings in Christ. One other thing He gives is eternal life. Eternal life. Listen to Romans 6 and 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God 
is eternal life. If we live a life of sin, we can expect separation from God throughout eternity. Spiritual death. But God's gift of man is eternal life. And 1 John 5 and 11 says that life is in His Son. And to be in His Son, I must believe in Him and be baptized for the remission of my sins. Would you do that today? Who is the Lord? He is the Almighty. He, he's the one to be obeyed. And He is the one who is the great giver of all. Who is the Lord? He is the one to whom one day I must give an account of my life. And that's one of the most sobering thoughts that has ever entered into my mind. That one day I'm going to stand before the judge of all of the earth and to give an account of my life. That's when the skeletons were going to come out of people's closets. That, that's when the veneer is going to be stripped away from our lives and we will be seen as we really are and not as people thought we were. We will give an account of ourselves to God Almighty. Romans chapter 14, verse 12. Hebrews 9, 27 says, It's appointed unto a man once to die, and after this the judgment. And every person to whom I speak now is a candidate for the judgment. All of us one day are going to stand before the Lord in the judgment to be the greatest day in the history of mankind. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory of all with holy angels, and then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats, and He will set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. There's going to be a day of judgment, and there will be a great separation on that day. Separation of the good and the bad, the saved and the unsaved. Who is the Lord? He's the one before whom I must stand and give an account of my life. Thus, I need to make sure, I need to be doubly sure that my life is pleasing to Him. Are you a Christian? May I encourage you to become one? Would you not allow some servant of God to baptize you into Christ? I want to thank you for watching today. Please call for the Bible course. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 
3-6-5-8-0. Or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.